3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I I'd be want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-3CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. In bad markets, picking winners can be a real struggle. In good markets, there are are always multiple ways to win. Even though stocks were all over the map today, Dow only dipping 75 points, S&P declining 0.14%, NASDAQ advancing 0.04%, investors found still one more path to victory, buying stocks that have been left for dead, only to see their fortunes rise from the grave as if by magic. How powerful is this concept? Off the top of my head, I can give you five examples, recent examples of miraculous stock market resurrections Well, like, the last 24 hours. Let me walk you through these Lazarus names. It's important to understand this new way to win. And beyond that, I think all five of them have more room to run. All five. First and foremost, Viacom. Now, I've been saying this film and television company is on the verge of a turnaround because of its incredible slate of movies and its aggressive cost-cutting efforts. Remember, Viacom is MTV, Nick Lody, Comedy Central, BET, VH1, and a host of other networks, and it's also Paramount Pictures. How good are Paramount's pictures? In all honesty, I'm actually hoping it rains this weekend so I can have a good excuse to go see the sixth Mission Impossible, the one everybody's been raving about. However, today I saw not just the makings of a turn, but the turn itself. The one that's been engineered by Bob Backish, who was named CEO in December of 2016. It's a pretty incredible one. Viacom positively trounced the estimates. As backus put it in the quarter, and I, I, I'm, I'm clo- quoting here, clear evidence that our turnaround is delivering results and that our evolution into a truly global, multi-platform brand and intellectual property-driven entertainment company is well underway, end quote. Now, when I interviewed Backers this morning when I was at the street, I was thoroughly impressed with what he's accomplishing here. I asked him to tell me more about the value of the intellectual property that Viacom is mining. He explained, and again I quote, that it's absolutely the core of our turnaround strategy That means fully leveraging the intellectual property we own. Think Mission Impossible, Jack Ryan, Double Dare, and Jersey Shore, and creating new IP like 13 Reasons Why on Netflix, the Kevin Costner series, Yellowstone on Paramount Networks, Florida Bama Shore on MTV, and the new Tyler Perry movie for Paramount BET, Nobody's Fool, which will hit theaters in November. You know what's the most amazing thing about this term? So people, so few people Know that it's happening. Hey, hey most people aren't even aware that Vi- Vi- Viacom even owns this stuff. I mean, right? Backus is literally looking at all the programs and movies that have been successful through the years and he's reinventing them, like with Top Gun Maverick, a sequel to the amazing original Top Gun that should have been made years ago that I'm already salivating over. I love that first one. Plus, he's fixing the company's not-so-hot balance sheet. He's making low-budget movies like The Quiet Place that turns out to be huge hits. He's teaming up with Amazon on this Jack Ryan series, and it's going to be 10 episodes. And he's making Viacom far more international, something both Comcast and Disney have been trying to do themselves because that's where the growth is. Now, the stock rallied 6% today on the news, but the big stories that have dominated this tale are soap operas, the family-owned nature of Viacom and CBS fighting, along with the personal travails of CBS CEO Les Mumbas. There's been a continual narrative out there that says Viacom is going to buy CBS, and CBS shareholders will be crushed because they'll be succumbing to an inferior company. After today, I wouldn't be so sure CBS is the better business. However, I'd certainly rather own Viacom here than CBS. Everyone's given up on Viacom, which means it's got much more opportunity for upside than a stock everyone fawns over, like CBS. The next Lazarus name, another one, whoa, man, I can't believe I'm talking about this, CenturyLink CTL. Talk about a hated stock. This landline telco company has been reviled for ages. Last year, though, CenturyLink bought Level 3 Communications, and Level 3 CEO Jeff Story took over the combined operations. He's done remarkable things. Cutting the fat dramatically, shedding what he calls empty calorie revenues, generally making the stock's 10% plus yield seem a lot safer than we thought. He hasn't been able to grow the revenues yet, but the turn is palpable thanks to the voluminous cash flow. That's the measure here, which is why the stock surged 13% today. Next up, Yelp. Remember these guys, the online yellow pages that uh, lets you rate all sorts of local enterprises, especially restaurants? Unless you own a bar or a restaurant like I do with San Miguel, you may not have much you may not be paying much attention to Yelp. I do. I checked those. I got some. There's a couple of great ones in it, one lately. Today, though, uh, Yelp stepped back into the spotlight with the stock soaring nearly 27% in the wake of some truly spectacular ad numbers. I don't want to say that Yelp's back because it actually never really went away. But the stock's been an Internet afterthought for ages, no more. And you guess what? I think it's got more room to run. Hey, here's one that's been a huge disappointment. I mean, like, Wow. <laughs> Dal Dupont. Now I've championed this stock for ages. Hey, my Chapel Trust owns it. You can follow along by joining the ActionLersPlus.com club. Said some positive things today in the club call about it. But you know what? I'm almost getting tired of talking about this one because no one's cared. No one. Hey, uh, you, they know the chemical titan is going to break up, but they haven't been able to see exactly of late what indicates what the heck the pieces are going to be worth. Hey, look, look uh, how am I, am I proselytizing? Earlier this week, I brought on Jim Fitterling. He'll be the CEO of the spun off material science division, the new Dow Chemical. I thought he told a pretty good story. I thought a lot of people yawned. I was hurt. Today, they ain't yawning, though. Why? Because yesterday came out that Ed Green, Gal DuPont CEO, bought $2 million worth of stock in the open market. And that's an incredible commitment, but it makes a ton of sense to do it now. I've talked endlessly about how Breen made you a fortune when he broke up Tyco. Breen has said over and over and over again that Tyco stock didn't take off until the Form 10s, the technical term for the documents that explain the new pieces of the company, came out. Well, guess what? Dow DuPont's Form 10s come out next month. You may not believe the stock will take off when that happens, but clearly Breen does. I think he knows more than we do. I say it's a buy right here. Finally, there's Michael Kors the high-end apparel and accessory company that was reported two days ago. Stock's still running. Why? Because the whole apparel category is red hot, and the hottest part is accessories. I'm shocked at how strong this group is. Coors doubled down on accessories a year ago when they paid $1.2 billion for Jimmy Choo. At the time, it was regarded as a severe overpay. Nobody thinks that now. I like this category very much. And I think I got to tell you that all the analogs, including Tapestry, the old coach, which reports next week, could produce some very good numbers. Now, I said there are a lot of ways to win, okay, in this market. I I don't want to just limit it to the last restore as much as I like them. There's the uh, subscription economy. Um, uh, That's been an idea put in my head by uh, Teen Zhu. He's the uh, CEO of Kramer Fave Zura. And, uh, Look at this. I mean, I, look, I didn't even dog it. I actually clipped it. Today, Spotify, a textbook subscription story, saw its stock leap 5% thanks to its partnership with Samsung. What else? We're seeing comebacks in the stocks of companies that Amazon was supposed to destroy laid to waste yesterday with CVS. Today, Roku which is becoming a de facto operating system for new TVs with explosive revenue growth. Hey, look, I know the fire stick is good, but will you give Roku its due, please? There are just so many ways to win in this market. You have to be deliberately obtuse to fail to see them. Like everyone who's been blinded by a flat yield curve or the trade war or inflation or any other kind of political rhetoric that really bores the heck out of me. So here's the bottom line. Don't give up. Start looking at the stocks that others have given up on. Those may be the hidden gems with room to run in this wild and wacky bull market. Mm. Gino in Pennsylvania, Gene. Hi, Jim. Enjoy your show and thanks for all your hard work. Well, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for recognizing this hard work because sometimes, wow, it's difficult. What's going on? My question tonight is about a company based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania called Mylan NV. It's a generic and specialties pharmaceutical company. This is the company that had the
1: episode about a year or two ago with raising the prices of their EpiPen product.
3: They recently received approval to produce a biosimilar for Nulasta, a drug which produces about right. $4 billion a year in sales for animals. Yes, indeed. But uh, but I'm gonna just you know I'm gonna cut you off, Jim, because I don't like it. I don't like the stock. I don't think it has really good margins. I don't think it has really good prospects. I didn't like the quarter, and I know it's got. It sounds like a great story, but it ain't. Hey, how about Betsy in California, please, Betsy? Hey, Jim, I've been with you since the Cudlow days. Holy cow! Hey, Larry's doing good. He's saying a lot of good stuff. What's going on?
1: I'm so glad, Jim. I wanted to talk to you about a stock that I've held for the last nine
3: months. The name of it is Boot Barn. It's on the NYSE. Betsy, it's you are so is- lucky. That thing had some of the best comp store sale numbers, dou- double digit. <laughs> Matthew <laughs> Boss was on the case. We were on the case with it originally, but you know we went room and then room. I want you to stay along Boot Barn. I think it's finally coming to its uh, into its own after a kind of a stutter step, different kind of uh, growth pattern. How about that? Can we be nice and say that? All right. I want people to keep hunting. For those back-from-the-dead Lazarus stocks that others may have given up on, I think they get have more room to run. Hey, old man, money tonight. Trump's steel tariffs just claimed another victim with Magna International. Stock dropped 8% yesterday after cutting its outlook. Can the order parts make or turn its luck around, or is it time to pump the brakes? I don't know. we got to ask the CEO. Who knows what he'll say? Then, I'm getting to the ring with WWE. Can the company leave you up against the ropes or give you portfolio a fight chance? And CyberArk has been on tear of late, with the company up nearly 69% so far this year. As cyber attacks remain a top concern, does the company have more room to run? I say stick with Kramer.
1: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer, hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnBC.com.
0: Take your business further with a smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card.
2: NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving.
3: Last time I told you about how one consequence of the trade war is that it's making used cars more attractive than new ones, because the steel and aluminum tariffs make new cars somewhat more expensive. Today I want to look at things from, see, another angle, the Canadian angle. I'm talking about Magda International MGA. It's one of the largest auto parts suppliers on earth. They make all sorts of car parts, and they also assemble complete vehicles for the major automakers. Now, Magda is a well-run company with a good long-term track record. Stock was up 30% last year. But after running up over the course of the spring, it's given back all of its gains and then some over. the past few months, including a brutal 8% sell-off yesterday. What happened? Magna reported a top and bottom line miss yesterday morning, and to make matters worse, management cut their full year of guidance. Now, some of that's, though, from the strong U.S. dollar, some of it's because their joint venture transmission business is having some trouble, and some of it's from the expected impact of the tariffs varied. But with the stock now down almost 14 bucks from its highs, you know, i got to wonder, maybe it's been punished enough. So let's check in with Don Walker, the CEO of Magna International, get a better sense of what's going on here. Mr. Walker, welcome back to Mad Money. Good to see you, Don. Have a Good seat. Good to see you. All right, Don, now I know your company is one company, which is the best single auto parts and assembler manufacturer. And I've said that since 1987 when I first heard about you guys. But suddenly i got all these questions and it's about how about NAFTA? How about China trade? How about Canada and our president? How do you negotiate as a CEO what is clearly a different kind of environment than even a year ago?
4: Well, there's lots going on and, and you, you have to worry about the things you can, you can control. But okay. it's certainly having an impact on our stock. The, uh, the, the concern, the tariffs is having an impact. The concern about NAFTA and, and production volumes is having an impact as well. And, so you, uh, uh, we, well, we, have, we, we did have record sales, record right. earnings. We missed consensus a little bit, but there were right. a couple of one-timers this, this quarter, uh, and we do have some, a few issues we have to deal with
3: in a joint venture in China. for our well, trans- I, I just actually who was going to turn to that. I said joint ventures, particularly in China. We expect this headwind will impact this GetTrack uh, joint venture, uh, and, and the mix for transmissions in China has been difficult. Is this part of the trade war?
4: No, it doesn't have anything to do with it. In, okay. in China, the, the manual transmissions is going away faster than we had, had anticipated, oh, okay. and we've had in the last quarter. There's been a couple of our customers uh, we're, were not drawing as quickly as they as we anticipated they would. But it's a bit harder to understand the volumes uh, by car line over there quarter to quarter. I mean, because they're just opaque. No, it's just uh, the market moves much quicker.
3: Oh, okay. Uh, now you did talk about uh, you quantified tariffs. It, it turned out to be not that much.
4: Well, we're, we, we have done a, a very detailed analysis. Right. Uh, we, we're Canadian-based for headquarters, but we actually have uh, about 20, 25,000 people in the States and 27,000, so we actually have more people than the 23,000 we have in, in Canada. Uh, if the tariffs stay the way they are, uh, and who knows if anything more gets ratcheted up in China? It's about a sixty million dollar a year hit. Now we would hopefully be able to talk to our customers, and and that has to be passed through the right. consumer at some point in time. But I also think at some point in time, NAFTA does get renegotiated, and the tariffs within NAFTA go away because it's really it's bad for
3: all three countries. But you did talk about the notion of maybe they would uh, stop the pushing of. Uh, of, of assembly, uh, of plants to Mexico. Uh, now would that matter? Aren't you agnostic about where you build stuff?
4: We are, but I think that the, there's the a couple of... Auto companies of, uh, aren't. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think, the well you have free trade from Mexico, so if you put an assembly plant in there they can ship wherever they want, and they do have lower labor. So I think the lower labor uh, does have an impact, but it's, it's the ability to ship anywhere from there. Any, any vehicles from there anywhere in the world. For uh, from us, doesn't really matter where the assembly plants go, uh, because we, we put the, the, the supply plants close to them, the big parts, and the other parts, we can ship them.
3: All right. Now, let's pull back for a second. Uh, if I were a major auto company, a Ford a, a GM, I would say, look, we've got to make more money. Some people think it's peak autos. We had some SAR numbers yesterday. Some people think that there's just issues with tariffs. Uh, let's call Magna. They can make it cheaper in the weekend. I mean, that's got to be happening, too.
4: Well, long-term, I, I think there's going to be some new players coming in the industry, and I think there's going to be new forms of mobility, both areas that we're heavily involved in, right. because we not only make a lot of the car, but we can also design complete vehicles and build them. In fact, we just announced a joint venture with uh, Beijing Automotive uh, to, ma- to design full electric vehicles, and we're going to produce them in a, in a joint plant over there. It has a capacity of 180,000 vehicles. So, wow. uh, We just announced that about a month ago, uh, and... So there, there's so many opportunities coming up with autonomous driving, new powertrain electrification, but lots of, lots of growth areas.
3: Well, when I went over the quarter, I said, it wasn't clear to me, but you've got to be spending for electrification and autonomous driving. And, you know, I, I want you to spend on that. That's the future. I mean, could that have, uh, have hurt margins? No, we had, there
4: was a fire in a supplier oh God, plant that, Ford thing. That, that, that shut down a lot of our customers. Now that's over, so that, that'll come back. We, it's a
3: little bit like Joe, beer. I mean you guys have just some bad luck. Well,
4: I do think uh I think it's been overreacted to, but you know what we'll, we'll uh we also had uh, we're launching the new Mercedes G class, which is a great new vehicle, but there was a supplier problem there, so that that, that should come on stream too. So we had we had a number of one timers. Uh, but we do have some issues to deal with inter-transmission plan.
3: But. but at last, I want to leave with, because, you know, I've liked your company for so long. Just, you know, briefly just state, look, this, uh, that you're used to tougher times. You've been around for a long time, and this isn't such a bad time, and you're going to do well.
4: I think the industry, it's the highest tech industry in the world. Right. We have lots of technology. We're spending a lot in R&D. So I think there's huge opportunities in, in, globally in the automotive industry.
3: All right, let's leave it at that because okay. it's not like the stock's 52-week high. It's much closer to a more reasonable valuation than I'm used to. That's Dom Walker. He's the CEO of Magna, which is a great company. We have Money's back into to the break.
0: When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed.
1: entered undefeated but after one grueling segment he left a different man now he has risen the balance sheets are red the earnings are adjusted and the cutthroat crimson contender has just one question for you did you do your homework
3: For those of you who watch the show regularly, you know that for the past year and a half, I've had one favorite sport, professional wrestling. Okay, okay, that's in the business. We call that truthful hyperbole. I still prefer, say, football and basketball, baseball, hockey and even field hockey. But professional wrestling has one thing that none of these other sports offer. Regular people can actually invest in it. Sure, you can gamble on an individual baseball game, football, whatever. But historically, that's a terrible way to make money. Wrestling, on the other hand, is not just investable. It's been a great investment. I'm talking about World Wrestling Entertainment. That's WWE for all you home gamers. The dominant brand in pro wrestling with a stock that's up a monster 256% since I started recommending it less than 17 months ago. You can argue that pro wrestling is not a real sport because it's scripted. I say with returns like that, who the heck cares? When I first highlighted WWE in March of 2017, it was a $22 stock, and now it's a $79 stock. And that brings us to the problem. Lately, this stock has gone parabolic. It's up 120% just since the end of March. Granted, that's a pretty high-quality problem to have, but whenever you own a stock that's had such an extraordinary move, you need to take a fresh look at your position so you can figure out if it's time to sell. Before I get into specifics, though, let me make one thing crystal clear. When you got a triple, you need to take something off the table. And that's common sense. It's portfolio management. The real issue, how much WWE should you ring the register on? And is the stock still worth buying, even if you've missed this entire move? These are very different cross disciplines. OK, let's start by going over why we like the thing in the first place. I told you to buy WWE last year because the company was in the middle of a major transformation. The old WWE made most of its money from traditional television, especially selling pay-per-view access to its major events like WrestleMania. You've heard all of this. But then earlier this decade, the company started spending heavily to launch a new direct-to-consumer DTC online streaming platform. And by 2017, it looked like WWE was finally poised to start reaping the rewards from these investments. At the same time, their TV and live event businesses were growing nicely. And I also liked that the company had a terrific licensing deal with Take-Two Interactive, which released a new, released a new WWE 2K video game every year. And you know we speak to Strauss Zelnik, CEO of Take-Two. He was the one who first put this in my head. Not to toot my own horn, but still, I made a great call. Then in January, we checked in with WWE's chief financial officer, George Barrios, and he explained how the digital platform has turned his company into a data powerhouse. You know how much we like data. He also pointed out that WWE has a larger social media following than any other sport brand on earth. They have both the number one sports channel on YouTube and the number two channel overall, and their videos have been viewed 20 billion with a B times. More importantly, all of this has translated into some incredible numbers, which in turn has produced the stock's parabolic rally. WWE posted 10% revenue growth last year. That accelerated to 16% in the first half of 2018, including 31% in the most recent quarter. That's some seriously accelerating revenue growth, or argh, something Wall Street can't get enough of, as I tell you all the time. And while the earnings are still getting off the ground here, the operating income, what the company makes after subtracting operating expenses like cost of goods, sold, wages, depreciation, grew a monster 192% clip in the first half of this year. That's up from 36% in 2017. Isn't that remarkable? Now, the strength here is coming entirely from WWE's media segment, which includes the online streaming platform. Live events and consumer products have actually been a bit of a drag. Can you imagine? But media is what really matters here since it makes up more than 70 percent of its business. And let's be clear. The company's subscription streaming service, WWE Network, has been a massive hit in the first quarter, they grew their paid subscribers by eight percent to more than one point five million. Second quarter subscriber growth accelerated to ten percent, with a total coming in at one point eight million. This is a great business because WWE has effectively cut out the middleman; they can just sell you a subscription directly. As I told you at the top of the show, the love uh, we we absolutely adore the subscription economy. It's a great theme. WWE slots right into the theme. At the same time, the company also made two major television deals in June, which is what fueled the latest leg hire. First, they extended their long-standing Monday Night Raw deal with USA, part of the same NBC Universal family as CNBC. Second, they came to an agreement with Fox to give them WWE SmackDown. We don't know the exact terms, I remember mean, they're great. WWE did tell us that they expect revenue from their TV agreements to grow from 235 million this year to 462 million in 2021, and that's terrific. The really amazing thing with this story, though, is that WWE has both a thriving online subscription business where people pay them directly for premium content and they can negotiate better deals with their traditional TV partners. You'd think it would be a zero-sum game, right? So uh, how has WWE managed to square this circle? The company embraced a strategy they call tiering. Here's how CFO George Barrios explained it to us in January. Right, a lot right. of people take the content and put it all over this, all the different platforms, yes, yes. and it cannibalizes. Right. Right? What we do is we say we're going to have certain content for pay television, five hours live every week, we're on yes. SmackDown, 260 hours a year. Then we're going to create about 600 hours for YouTube, Facebook, our own and operated, different content. Right. And then we're going to do about three, 400 hours on our direct-to-consumer network to right. super serve our most passionate fans. So all those different platforms, different content. That's why it raises all boats you got to watch our interviews. I mean, look, if you didn't believe me, how could you not believe that, man? That was an incredible performance, and everything came true. One more thing. You might imagine that pro wrestling is the quintessential American, yeah, kind of shorter than NASCAR. But the truth is, WWE's got a booming international business. You can watch their programming across 170 countries in more than 20 different languages. In fact, international is the real growth driver. Their paid subscribers from overseas increased by 15% in the latest quarter, far outpacing the 9% gain in domestic subscribers. And it's not like they need to create tons of new content. They're making a fortune just by taking their existing content and broadcasting it in new markets. You know which country is the number one consumer of WWE video content? No, not America. India. India. Hey, they had a huge event in Saudi Arabia, of all places, raked in $46 million. When we spoke to George Barris, he told us the appeal is universal. You know what he did? He's invoking Joseph Campbell's hero with a thousand faces, the idea that every culture has the same basic understanding of the hero's journey, and that's what professional wrestling appeals to. It is a great story. The question is, how much will we pay for it? WWE trades at 60 times next year's earnings estimates, which seems pretty pricey, right? But this is a growth stock, which means we have to look at what we call the out years further on past just next year. When the 2020 numbers, is trading at less than 25 times earnings. Seems a lot more reasonable, does not it, when you've got a 37% long-term growth rate? Here's the bottom line of this amazing story that I'm so glad I locked onto and that we also had George on the show. WWE has caught fire here. So if you already own it from when I first recommended, okay, man, you maybe take a little schnitzel, right? Every bring registered part of the position. But I definitely wouldn't sell all of it. And if you miss the move, hey, this thing can come down a little. And while I hate to chase, ideally you want to wait for that pullback. I can count on this putting on a small position up here. Yeah, that's how good this darn story is. It's amazing. Just amazing. Let's go to Carter in Georgia, please. Carter. Hey, Kramer. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, what do you think AMC's new subscription pass, called A-List, means for the stock? For only nineteen ninety nine a month, you can see up to three movies a week, IMAX and 3D included. They've already added 175,000 subscribers in the first five weeks and are on track to exceed half a million by June of 2019. Unlike movie This recurring income model is a viable business plan that has the potential to benefit both consumers and investors in the long run. So, is now a good time to buy AMC or will this be another box office bomb for the company? I always tell my executive producer Regina Gilgan happens to be behind me, and wearing a very, you know, summary outfit there, uh, that uh, our viewers are the smartest people in the world. This Carter from Georgia clearly knows more about the situation than I do. So I am not going to opine on it. I will augment his homework with my homework and get back to him. But there's no way I can compete with someone who knows up to the minute numbers and has done so much work. Alright, if you own WWE, at my suggestion when we first recommended it, I can't blame him. If you want to Take Will little off the table. Maybe play with the rest of the house's money. But if you don't, I think this one's still got a lot of room to run. Incredibly well run. And boy, is it loved. Much more mad money ahead. The discovery of Russian interference in the 2016 presidential election is still making headlines. And with the 2018 midterms just around the corner, cybersecurity continues to hold a spotlight in the national, well, in the national, let's say, uh, zeitgeist. So could Cyborg be a way to play the trend? I'm talking with the CEO. Then you know who's been hurting the most from the Chinese sanctions? Hedge funds. I'll explain. Or all your calls, right? fire in tonight's edition of, this thing's heavy, the lightning round. So stick with Creamer. Stock of longtime Kramer-Faith CyberArk software surge higher yesterday, falling nearly 12% on a phenomenal quarter. This is an Israeli cybersecurity company focused on protecting what are known as privileged or administrator accounts, a favorite target for hackers because they're basically the keys to the entire digital kingdom. I've been a fan of cybersecurity for ages because as we live more and more of our lives online, data breaches become a much greater risk. And these threats are constant. Just today we learned that the PGA Tour was hit with a ransomware attack where hackers lock you out of your own data and make you pay to get back in. That was one of the biggest events of the year. However, the cybersecurity stocks can be tough to them. These are high growth momentum names, which means that they tend to be pretty volatile. So while CyberArk's given us a 337% gain since its IPO less than four years ago, it hasn't moved up in a straight line. In fact, last year the stock was down 9%. as Many weak-handed investors folded, moved on to what they thought were greener pastures. That would have been a big mistake as the stock has served nearly 70% year-to-date. That's why you can't give up with secular growers. The latest Leg of the rally comes on the heels of a great quarter. On Tuesday night, CyberRock reported an epic 12-cent earnings beat off a 24-cent basis, higher than expected sales, an amazing 56% increase in deferred revenue, ballooning margins. Even better, management gave us very strong guidance for both the next quarter and the full year, so can the stock keep climbing. Let's take a closer look with Udi Makati. is the founder's chairman and CEO of CyberRock Software. Learn more about the quarter and his company's prospects. Mr. Makati, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank Good you. to see you, Udi. Have a seat. Thank you. Now, Udi, when you have a co- when you have a quarter like you've had of, which we've had very few. It almost means to me that there's some sort of seismic ship that happened within three months. How can a shift be that quickly?
5: I think it's a combination of secular trends in our favor, but also execution. We had a perfect game, all three regions, Europe, Americas, Asia-Pacific, all overperformed.
3: You're up the, by the best. was that. Now, I know you said GDPR is a temporary, you know, somewhat of a tailwind, but GDPR, somehow that really fitted into,
5: into what you're up to. You can't protect uh, privacy information if there's a highway to the data, but we see it as a, as a nice tailwind. We, the secular trends are stronger than that. Privilege is really elevating to top priority with chief security officers. They're getting it. Okay, now I had a little bit of fear uh, when I read
3: your quarter. It wasn't for worrying about your company, but the amount of – uh, contracts, you got 31 new federal agencies uh, t- t- over a host of different departments. Did,
5: uh, did we catch one here? I think we're very pleased, actually, with the federal government approach to cybersecurity, really moving from compliance-driven to risk-based. And CyberArk is the, the one to choose when you're really trying to create a pillar of security inside. So that, that explains the adoption. Of course, we've been going after it for many years, getting right. uh, common criteria certifications and other certifications that the federal government needs before adopting security right. solutions. Now, but Udi, I, I, it made me feel like that the
3: kinds of people who are trying to steal the kings of the kingdom could be state-sponsored terrorists.
5: Absolutely, nation states really? are using these attack vectors, because including the China. Way. Uh, we're 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 You're agnostic about which bag to, of attribution, but there right. are definitely reports from Verizon, from India, that talk about nation states like China, North Korea, Iran, uh, as being very active in, and prolific in uh, in cybersecurity attacks. Can, can you help us with this uh, uh, election interference, like we have midterm in, uh, elections? Anything you can do about it? Uh, we can help really the the core of the systems. Right. Uh, I, I think Cyborg differentiates between a minor infection and somebody really really getting to the full uh, the full data and and I would say uh, 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 banks of data uh, within the the inside. But there's right. growing awareness. I think it does help that now cybersecurity has become a topic that no one is escaping from. What I thought was interesting was that your competitors,
3: even your CFO, said a lot of them are private equity firms and they're really just competing on price.
5: Is it really? A- I don't think you can compete on price when it comes to this t- this important concept. Exactly, in an age where it was compliance driven, maybe you can go by price. Right, when you're right, trying right. to secure yourself and protect the business or the organization, you have to choose the best. Okay. And this is what we we go for. We we of course want to be price uh, agno- uh, uh, the best that we right. can, and but we also are premium on the innovation and the security that we deliver.
3: Any one of these clients, if they get if the bad guys get in, it can be horrendous. How do you how are you
5: able to be sure that your people people don't defect. Oh, we invest a lot in that, in the screening of how we hire uh, people. Also, the system is, the, uh, is built on the fact that we actually look and monitor uh, privilege access. Are there anomalies in how that's, that's built? And so that we secure the system themselves. We also secure our customers from their own people to help monitor how their users are accessing the system. And we invest a lot in that. We believe uh, security is a 360-degree look. Your own staff, your, your customers, uh, and your partners. Now, this isn't just checking out passwords, is it? <laughs> no, absolutely. We, we enable, actually, the, the, I think the, the beauty is securing the fundamentals of the business right. while enabling them to go digital uh, and, and adopt digital transformation. So that, that, so we're really enabling CIOs to move forward with digital transformation.
3: I, I know it wasn't this quarter that seemed that it was really uh, important, but uh, obviously you're going uh, from on-premises. You're now going to start doing a cloud uh, uh, cloud subscription, so to speak. How big can that be for you? We want to be very diverse for our customers,
5: right. wherever they are geographically, right. wherever they are in a vertical, and we've had a great vertical diversity. And now, wherever they are on the cloud adoption journey, are they fully on-premise still, which many enterprises right. are? Are they hybrid, which most of the enterprises are? They're right. dabbling with cloud. Or do they want to consume this as a service completely and have their keys in the cloud? I believe that's still early, right. but Cyborg wants to be future-proof and be there when the customers are ready to put those keys in the cloud. One will ask question. Can you just describe the average bad guy now? Uh, it, uh, it, it moves from a nation state where you have units sitting in an air-conditioned room and, and uh. developing code to uh, cyber criminals, again, working on code, testing it against uh, against uh, uh, the known, known solutions uh, And you're there. smarter than air? We, we invest in, first of all, we hire the good, the good right. guys to right. be the, the positive uh, hackers. We have a whole team. Like we call them the Cyborg Labs, and that's what they go after. They try to learn what are the attackers doing. And it's easier for the attacker. It's, uh, you don't have to be an expert anymore to run right. ransomware. You can just buy it. Here we got one more how safe and secure is crypto mining uh crypto mining is science fiction altogether because in ransomware the attacker needs you to respond to the attack with crypto mining the attacker goes in they're using your it infrastructure to mine for cryptocurrency it's like using borrowing your house like a home but borrow a bank
3: to mine for crypto. And this is can, what
5: happens absolutely they can use any enterprise they can go into governments and they're not trying to steal they're using your electricity they're using your computing to mine for cryptocurrency. It's almost science fiction. It's happening now. It's on the rise and they're using Monero a lot of it for for it. That sounds like a nightmare. It is.
3: All right. Well, thank you so much to Udi Makati. He's the founder chairman and CEO of CyberArk. This one has a lot more room to run. You just heard. There's just too many bad guys. Only a couple good guys. Mid-Money's back in for a break. <laughs> It is time. It's the And then the light round's over. Are you ready, Ski That is Time for the light round. Clever let's start with Cliff in New York. Cliff. Good
1: evening, Jim. About two and a half years ago, you sold the virtues of Vistion Corporation, BC. Yes. At the present time, do you feel it's a buy, sell, or a hold? given tariffs and other concerns.
3: Well, you know, it's because of Goward tariffs or other. I mean, you know, we spoke to Magnet, and it didn't leave me feeling so warm and fuzzy about this auto parts group. So I've got to tell you, as much as I hate to be part of the maddening crowd, I, I, I have to be careful. I have to be careful. Let's go to Vincent and Florida. Vincent! Booyah, Jim! Booyah! Thanks. Booyah. Thanks for all you do. Thank you. My My stock is TRXC, Transit Terrace. In 2017, the FDA granted marketing clearance of Sinhan Surgical robotic System, and in 2018, approved expanded indications. In June, they were added to the Russell 2000 and recently reported second-quarter earnings that were down nearly 12%. With (laughs) year-over-year growth of
1: 145%, what is your take on the stock? No,
3: I I mean, I got to tell you, I like intuitive surgical. Let these others decide. Let the others come out to be intuitive surgical. You know, I did Mazer and we made some money, and now I don't want to try a new one because they're just too darn hard. I say stick with surgery. Ed in Pennsylvania, Ed. Yeah, booyah, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. You bring the right mix of entertainment along with investing knowledge. Oh, thank you very much. So, my company that I want your general thoughts on is Duke Energy,
5: symbol DUK. All
3: right, I don't want to be in Duke right now. Uh, th- uh, the one I want to be in is American Electric Power. I want to be in Con Ed. Those are the ones that have been best for me, and I'm going to stick with those and be careful very much. Please be careful with Southern because of these over the the overage on this building of these nu- these Vogel nuclear plants. No, not for me. Hunter in Connecticut, Hunter. Hey, Jim. I love your show. I'm a first-time caller. Okay. I was going to ask about Green Dot Corporation, Green Dot Bank, an online bank. Well, you know, it's actually uh, more of an Internet. I, I would describe it as being uh, a financial tech play, FinTech. And therefore, I like it, even though I know it's here at 52 o'clock. Let's go to Frank in New York. Frank. Hi. Hi. Frank from Visequad, New York. Yes. I bought Sherwin-Williams at
1: 45
3: due to your forty-five, right? And recently, you called it. It's at four hundred and forty-five. Here's what you're gonna do, Jack. Yeah, you know, Frank. You're gonna do exactly what I say. You're gonna take out the capital that you put in. Then you're gonna play the rest with the house's money. And I say, Bravo, Jack in Ohio, Jack. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, Jack. I'm a first-time caller. Okay, I love time. your show, man. Yeah. Um, and, uh, my, Jim, my stock is Abvia Incorporated. And, I like um, AbbVie. I know there's a lot of bear stories running around. It's the other component of Abbott. Abbott's owned by the Chapel Trust. I think that it's good. I know they have one big drug stock. It's one big drug that a lot of people are worried about from the biosimilar situation. I'm not as worried. I think AbbVie's a buy. Kurt in Pennsylvania. Kurt! Hi, Jim. Greetings from Harrisburg. Joe Eagle, the ball ball. Go birds, I'm on the I'm on the bus tonight, first game. It's about PPL, Buckeye partner. No, I mean, I've known Buckeye forever. And, you know, I've soured on the pipeline group. Yeah, it's getting a little bit better. But I'm going to say, I, I, I you know, there's just too much hit or miss in this group. Let's go to Steven in California. Steven.
0: Hey, Jim. Big booyah from Palm Springs. Oh, smoke yeah,
3: I actually have been to the Springs. You can hike down there. It's really fabulous. Nobody knows about it. How can I help?
0: i'm calling about axon enterprises aaxn what happened to them is similar to what happened to dropbox today and i just don't get it yeah look i the think D-D-D-D- the stock and
3: went up and it was heavily shorted now it's come down a lot and i think frankly it's a buy and i agree <laughs> with you about dropbox there's nothing really wrong with dropbox but it ran a lot and now it's coming back down and we're going to revisit and probably recommend again john and michigan john
1: hey jim i love the show uh I got a Trump stock trading at eight times earnings. Trump Arch stock. Coal.
3: yeah, you know, the coal is enjoying a bit of a renaissance, I have to admit. Um, I am not a fan of the coal stocks, but these guys have fixed their balance sheet. I just don't want to overstate because even utilities in this country don't, aren't that interested in it. So I say, don't buy, don't buy, don't buy, don't fight. Ping.
0: ping, oh, ping,
3: ping in California, oh, hi, ping. ping.
0: Yes. Hi, Jim. Thank T- you for taking my call. Of course, uh, my please. name is King. I'm calling from San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. My question for you is what is your thought on Apple? The stock symbol is A. They may
3: C- be the vertical, A- they may be the cloud situation for uh, benchmarking, and I've got to hand it to them, and I'd like to have them on the show. And that lays the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
1: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. tomorrow Kick off the trading day was squawk on the street live from post 9 at the nyse
0: i'm f- fully aware and watch as often as i possibly can you're when swimming when great. i'm getting out of
3: the pool if it's on i watch david i have one criticism he spends too much time with his family
1: <laughs> it all starts at 9 a.m eastern
3: You know who's been hurt the most by these Chinese sanctions? Hedge funds! Okay, I'm being a little facetious, but when you think about it, maybe I'm not. Hedge fund managers have lost billions of dollars shorting stocks ever since the trade war began in earnest. Why is that? Because they saw all the negative China-related headlines, and they made what they saw as a rational decision to bet against all sorts of stocks. sell, 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 sell. sell. Yet these bets aren't paying off. The trade war just isn't producing the kinds of shortfalls That, in theory, should have kicked in this quarter. It's also not producing the kind of natural selling that makes it so they can cover lower. I'm going to go a step further. I bet this market's had the biggest mismatch in terms of percentage of longs versus shorts that we've seen since right after the 1987 crash. When the economy kept chugging along, but hedge funds kept shorting stocks, assuming that, that the crash had to be an accurate predictor of where the economy was headed. Turns out it was anything but accurate. This time, hedge funds are confounded because they assume that all of these tariffs have direct economy, don't they? They know just enough history to hurt themselves. What's their worldview look like? As Washington Post columnist Robert Samuelson wrote at the end of June... They believe that the, and I quote, ghost of Smoot-Hawley seems to haunt Trump, end quote. Smoot-Hawley was one of the biggest, most sweeping pieces of tariff legislation in U.S. history. And for decades, it's been blamed as a major cause of the Great Depression, even though Herbert Hoover signed it into law in 1930, well after the market had crashed and the economy had started falling apart. Samuelson says that, and I quote, Trump is falling into a similar trap as Hoover. So these poor hedge funds assume that history is repeating itself. First is tragedy, then is farce. And I tell you, they'd be horrified to know they're borrowing from Karl Marx. They short the S&P 500 because they figure tariffs will send us into a tailspin, especially the China-oriented industrial stocks. But consider the reality, the boots on the ground. Let's take just the last 48 hours. China's about to slap some tariffs on our engines and our trucks. Holy cow, that's right in Cummins' breadbasket. Doesn't that make Cummins an obvious short? Not so fast. Cummins just announced a $500 million accelerated buyback, in large part because there's so much demand here in the U.S. You short Cummins at your own peril. The Chinese are also going after the liquefied natural gas export industry, which is still in its infancy. Shouldn't we be selling the stocks of everything involved in Tellurian uh, and Shaneer Energy to the infrastructure companies that are helping them build these LNG facilities? Gigantic, gigantic amount of capital. Wait a second. Sharif Suki, the guy who's pretty much the father of the LNG export business, says that the world is starved for cheap American natural gas. In fact, a spot market has developed for LNG so that many countries that need it more than the Chinese will just sop it up at high prices. Suki tells me the only real loser in this practice is that there are the Chinese themselves who have to pay far more than the world price for the liquefied natural gas. Or how about Emerson Electric? All right, so much of its new growth comes from China. It was such a natural short. Indeed, it was heavily shorted. But it, was, it just blasted the shorts to kingdom come with an unbelievable set of quarterly figures that caused the stock to rocket 4% on Tuesday. This kind of stock does not usually rocket that much. Look, I don't want to be too lip our farmers will be hurt by these tariffs. But then again, agriculture is one of the most heavily subsidized industries in America. The president's $12 billion farm bailout will certainly help. And I bet they'll get more help if they need it. There's, these are rural voters for the Republicans they need in 2020. That makes shorting agriculture kind of perilous. And, uh, and and those who are short, say, the stock of John Deere, which was down barely today, I think I'd be sorely tempted to cover it by the time it reports next Friday. So remember how many hedge funds have been burned because they bet that this trade war would do some serious damage to our economy. Turns out it's less of a problem than the doomsayers thought, which is why shorting's been such a bust, with the short sellers acting as a natural accelerant for the upside when they cover their stocks ever since the trade war with China first flared up six months ago. Stick with Kramer. More craziness after the closed drop box screaming higher and then coming lower trade desk, just going up dramatically overstock up big. Wow. Who can keep track of all this? Me. I'm going to try. Like I said, there's always a bull market summer. I promise we will find it just for you right here on mad money. I'm Jim Cramer and I will see you tomorrow. This podcast is supported by
2: FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses. No one wants happy customers more than you do.